Thank you, Pastor Kim. Slash Pyro Swenson. Um, I, I caught that little bit there that uh, you have a love for fires. Um, but, uh, and I've been in both services, so I've had double communion, so I'm not sure how that'll affect me in uh, this morning. But, uh, but I am very glad to be here and, and glad to share with you. And, and uh, I just want to again say thank you to the the sound crew, Chris and uh, Tech Dave, uh, for doing a phenomenal job in the, the first service. And, and I just got to tell you this really quick story that my most embarrassing moment happened on a, in a church service on a um, stage. I was a youth pastor in the Twin Cities uh, almost 25 years ago this was. Uh, um, and uh, I had a lapel mic just like this. And... And they asked me to read scripture, but to dress up like Jesus. And, uh, and I came and I sat out in the first service, had my little cheat sheet uh, of the passage of scripture, and I just did it, hit it out of the park. And uh, so the second service, I said, I don't need no cheat sheet, I got this. And uh, the interesting thing is, is this church was made up of a lot of professors from Bethel uh, Seminary and uh, from the university. And so in the second service, I got up, and sat there and began to start to reading the passage of scripture in a total memory loss, totally blank. And so instead of just saying, you know what, I can't remember, I, I thought, I'll just wing it. It's one of my spiritual gifts. And, uh, <laughs> and so I started to just talk about, it was something about the birds and the bees and all this kind of stuff, and so I just started saying stuff and uh, not having a clue to where I was. And I could see these professors looking at their Bible and, and, and knowing the scripture, and, and they were very confused on what I was trying to communicate. But I got up and I walked out of the, the service um, like I normally do there after reading the scripture. But the other person that walked out of the service was the sound guy, and he had gone to the bathroom. Well, I kind of forgot that I still had my lapel mic on. <laughs> and I began to verbally tell myself how horrible and useless that was until I began to hear this roar of laughter uh, and realized they're listening to everything I'm saying. And uh, so that was my, so I love these guys. Please. Let, let not this be my second most embarrassing moment, but I am just really glad to be here and be able to share with you. And, uh, and Janelle is here from Nepal, and I called her a couple weeks ago and said, what are you wearing this morning when you get to the United States? And, uh, and so that we could coordinate. Um, and that, so that was, that was good. But let me just go to, go to the Lord again in prayer for this morning. Lord God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are a sovereign God, Lord, and that you are in control. And Lord, all you require from us is that we trust you, that we lean on you, and Lord, we glorify your name, and you will direct us. And so, Lord, we just pray this morning that uh, my words are not my words, they're yours. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide this morning. And we just give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, this morning I just want to uh, talk about is your church relevant today? And uh, one of the things that I'm excited about uh, is I'm excited for this church and for this body of believers. And Pastor Kim and Pastor Casey, I've known for a number of years now, and they are men of God who love you and love this community. And I have seen the blessings that this community in the kingdom work that this community has done beyond just this community. And uh, with your backyard missions trips to um, the, the church plants that have come out of this congregation and how you have impacted people that you will never even know or meet and uh, how amazing that is. But one of the special things that you guys do that maybe some of you don't realize is you do a prayer gathering for pastors every year um, here where we come down for th uh, uh, two days and just spend time praying together. And uh, for my brother uh, um, and I, this is our highlight of the year to come and pray together and just seek the Lord together. And uh, like I said in the first service, we're really grateful that it's not a fasting uh, prayer service time because you guys give us amazing meals and food and just really bless us. And, uh, and so I just want to thank you for that and thank you for the work that uh, you do that you may not see that goes beyond uh, this community and that you have been a part of for years. And that's so... But this morning, I want to uh, share two things with you. One is I want to share um, personal experience of seeing God move in the Ashland area over this past year, um, and then be able to share with you one of the key formulas to seeing this happen uh, today in, in the way God has moved. And that's the first piece that I want to just share with you. How many of you are uh, familiar with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Tell me, how, how many of you have memorized that passage scripture? It's, it's one of the ones that, uh, if you memorize scripture, it's usually one that you uh, are familiar with and memorize. But I want us to share and to say that together this morning. So if you would join with me in sharing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That verse is really an amazing verse that I learned when I was a was little kid, and it, it stuck up here. But it wasn't until a number of years ago did God really make that verse go from here to here, and, uh, and to make it a very powerful reality in my life, and especially this past year. And uh, so I want to, um, there's three things that God asks of us and one thing that he promises. And uh, one of the things that he asks of us is to trust in the Lord with your whole heart, to surrender your will, to surrender your life to him, and move from just the knowledge of God to surrendering completely and have it be a heartfelt um, thing. That's the first thing he asks us to do. Not necessarily an easy thing, is it? Then he asks us to lean not on our own understanding, not to see things through what we think is possible or the way we think things should go, but instead lean on him and trust him for the path that he has for you. And almost always, it's not the path that you think is best for you. 
God's ways are not our ways, are they? They're usually very, very different. And the more we try to do it on our way, our plan, it usually doesn't work out. In all your ways, acknowledge him, meaning that God wants the glory. God wants us to be people of praise. God wants us to be able to say, everything that I have is because of you. Everything that I do is for you. And to give him the praise and to seek him. Because if we do that, he makes it very clear that he promises he will direct your path. Um, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? To allow God control of your life and allow him to lead you wherever he has for you. Because more than likely it's going to go against what you think is the right way. And so I want to just touch on the very first part of that verse again. The trust in the Lord with all your heart. One of the things that is really been special for me is this phrase of don't ask the Lord to guide your steps if you are not willing to move your feet. Oftentimes we say, God, please do this, please um, guide me in that, and, and then we just sit there and wait. We wait for God to, to move us or to bring those things to us. But God wants us to trust him in stepping out, just like the Israelites uh, being led into the Jordan, to the promised land. Put that foot in the water when the water is raging, when it's going. Trust me with your action and then see me show up. Oftentimes we do just the opposite. God, I'll trust you when I can see it right in front of me. But that's not the way God works. And I want to share just this past year of how God has been working up in Ashland. And it's definitely not the way that I thought this past year was going to go. Um, one of the first things, trusting in the Lord. Um, October 31st of last year, um, these group of kids, there's a little over 100 of, of these kids from our church that were down at convention in La Crosse. And I got a phone call and said, Salem is burning. And uh, they said it again, Salem is burning. And I thought, yeah, the kids are on fire. God's teaching them all kinds of things. Things are going good down here. No, Salem building is burning, literally burning. And, uh, and the whole building was engulfed in flames. And I don't know if you've seen pictures uh, of it, but uh, uh, at its peak, there was just nothing but flames over the whole entire building. Um, and it was gone within a matter of uh, hours. And so this, when we brought the kids together and told them, Salem Church building right now is, is on fire and it's burning to the ground. Um, many of the kids, this was a huge impact on them because many of the kids didn't have a good home life, didn't have that security, didn't have that place of stability. And they looked at this building, Salem building, as their place of protection, their place of being loved and accepted. And so it hit them hard, and it was, a, it was a very emotional time. And so that was October 31st. And uh, then uh, here's a picture of, of Pastor Rod. As Kim said, he was, uh, my brother and I have um, been able to minister um, almost the last, well, over 10 years now uh, together. 
at Salem. And, uh, and uh, so this leaning on your own understanding of trying to understand God, why would you allow this to happen? Um, and uh, why, would, why would this happen to, to us? And it didn't make sense. But I want to just take you back a couple weeks prior to, to uh, the church building burning down. And my brother is uh, 57 years old, healthy as, as can be, um, plays basketball all the time, um, and, uh, and just uh, never, never been sick hardly at all. And uh, he went home from, uh, from his office uh, one day of working feeling uh, he had some uh, pain in his chest and, uh, and wasn't feeling real good. So he went home and, and all of a sudden he got pain in his back and he was really feeling painful. So he, he started doing exercises, stretching, thinking that he did something or something wasn't right. And, and uh, so then he tried to take a nap and uh, that didn't work. And, and so my brother doesn't have a real love for going to the hospital. Um, and so he was pushing it to the limit. And all of a sudden, he was getting pain down his arm. And, uh, and, and then he's feeling really sick and getting sweats. And, uh, and so he thinks, well, maybe I should just go to the hospital. So he drives himself into the hospital. And he's sitting out in front of the emergency parking lot thinking, ooh, I think I feel a little better. I, I don't need to go in. Um, and, uh, and then finally, he decides that he should go in. But I got to just, this was about, uh, when he was at home, it was about 11, 11.30 in the morning. And uh, later on, after all this happened, uh, um, about a month later, I think it was, uh, no, I can't remember now. No, it was just a few days later. The, um, the uh, conference, uh, annual conference of uh, converged churches gathered together. And I was down there and I met with one of the pastors and he was asking how Rod was doing, and he said the weirdest thing, he said, when I was working on my sermon, at 11.30, he said, I got Rod on my mind. And he says, I couldn't figure it out. And he said, I couldn't get him off my mind. And, uh, and so I asked him, I said, well, that was when he was having his heart attack, um, and he was at home. And, uh, and he said, uh, and I asked him, I said, so did, did you pray for him? And he was really honest with me, and he said, no, I didn't. I went back to my sermon. Um, and I just thought that was a, a powerful testimony how God chooses and desires to use his people to minister to other people that we don't even know or see. Um, and when those moments come, do we take advantage of that? Um, do we trust him and acknowledge that he is working there? Um, and so that was just a, a humbling thing. But there was many others that were praying for him, including me, because as he went into the ER... Um, he told the lady at the counter that uh, he wasn't feeling real good and she could see that he was completely white and see that he was not doing well and so they rushed him right into the the ER and uh, and then he was trying to tell the nurses and the doctors that he wasn't feeling good and that he, he kind of threw his back out or something and and uh, the doctor got right into his face and he said you are having a heart attack and then all of a sudden reality kicked and then right after that, he didn't remember anything because his heart stopped. And, uh, and so they had him on the table, and they got the paddles out. But this happened so quickly that they didn't take 
everything out of his pockets and stuff, and he had his cell phone in his pocket. Um, and when you, we were told later when, when you do that and they do the paddles on you, it fries everything. Well, this time it didn't fry his phone. Instead, here's the amazing thing, I didn't say this in the first service, it was a flip phone. Well, that phone called me in my office. And, uh, and I got to hear people hollering, trying to revive my brother, trying to bring him back to life. I could hear them taking the paddles and uh, shocking him. And uh, God allowed me very specifically, too specifically, to know how to pray for him and how to uh, um, pray at that moment in that time. And so I was able to go to the hospital and see him and be with him. And uh, they rushed him up to Duluth um, once they got him stable. And he had a stint put in, and um, within hours, he was sitting up in bed, and he was doing great. Um, they said what happened to him was what they call a widowmaker. Um, he had a blockage, and, well, I won't go into all of it, but he's alive. We'll just put it that way. Um, but that was two weeks before the fire. And he had been planning all year. His son went to school in New Zealand, um, and he had been planning for a year that he was taking three weeks to go see his, uh, his boy. Well, the fire happened, and, uh, and then he told me that, guess what, You're, you got this for the next three weeks while I'm gone. And uh, I said, no problem. I've dealt with many churches burning down, and I know exactly what to do. <laughs> um, but uh, um, that was an opportunity to trust in the Lord, to lean on him, even though this did not make any sense. And so if you go to the next picture, this was our, our first service. Um, um, actually, our first service was the next day across the street just out in the in the, the grass and had an awesome worship service. And, uh, and then the next Sunday, um, this was in the gymnasium where we still are today, um, and uh, this was people coming together and saying, you know what, our God is sovereign and he is in control and we are going to acknowledge him and tell him how great he is. And it was an awesome worship service. But it says that God will direct our path, but he'll do it in his timing. He will do it in his timing. And uh, a lot of this didn't make sense. A lot of it, why is this happening? Why? Um, and, and there were so many events that happened during this time that didn't make sense. Like one is the gentleman who did this sent an email to the city hall saying on October 31st, I'm going to burn down Salem and I am going to go after the pastors. And, and uh, the mayor didn't get that right away. And then when she got it, she sent it to the police of chief um, who was, on, was not working that day, was out in the woods, and his cell phone didn't work. And so she left a message, and he didn't get it until the fire started. And it was like, God, this all could... The guy said what he was going to do, when he was going to do it, how he was going to do it. But God allowed that to happen. 
God wanted that building to be burnt because what the enemy meant for harm, God wanted it for good. And, uh, and we had an awesome time to be able to sit down with the police chief and the mayor and say, don't worry about it. God had this all planned. Don't worry about it. They thought we were going to sue them. They thought all kinds of things. And it was like, that was our opportunity to share the good news of Christ with them and the grace. But if you look at this next picture, this, uh, um, this is what the whole church really looked like, just from steps being burned through, the roof, rafters, everything. But on the one side, across from the steps, is a wall. That's our prayer room. Um, and I just want to just show you real quickly um, how God is in control and how God is protecting. This next picture is a canvas painting that's about this big and about this tall. And uh, it was on the inside wall in our prayer room. And uh, it was the only thing in that room that wasn't burned to a char. There was a big frame around it. All the paint had peeled off of that frame and that frame was all distorted in, from the heat and that. And this is a canvas oil painting that should have just went poof. But this is a symbol of God's peace. And, uh, and also Salem name means peace. And God wanted to show us in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, he is in control. And he gives us the peace that we need. Um, and God gave us amazing peace. That we actually, Pastor Rod and I said uh, um, the day, the next day after, it's like, should we feel excited? Because we feel really excited. Because we are going to be a part of what God is going to do here that is great. Should we be like really sad? Because we didn't really feel sad. Because God was giving us that amazing peace. And if you go to the next picture, um, he reminds us that he has given us, his church, the power and the authority to be the church. Um, we had three crosses in the, in the building. All three of them were saved. Um, this one, I just think, is the coolest thing. Because it doesn't look like the, the cool... It, it, it was a cross that was made by our kids um, out of paper rolls. Paper rolls. Um, and it was in a room where right next to where it was, there was a light like this that was hanging that was completely melted and, and it was just, it had dripped down and the wall was fried. But the paper cross was in mint condition. God just wanted to show us that he was in control. And God was doing a new work, and he was going to do a new work through this. And so the next slide, that God is building his church to be prepared for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, and it may look different than you expect. It will look different than you expect. But God is moving, and we are in a season right now where God is doing things and preparing his church to be the church and to see the power of his Holy Spirit move in the lives of people 
in such a radical way that are we ready to be disciples? And I believe that God is doing a new work. And uh, this is, uh, if you go back real quick, um, that was a sign of, of uh, uh, where we had the services, times, all that kind of stuff. God just kind of melted that away. Um, but at the next one, if you go to that, Dave, the, the sign that you never thought in a million years you would ever see is this is a sign in front of the Catholic Church. And it says, Our Lady of the Lake, City Prayer Vigil for Salem Baptist, Thursday, 7 p.m. That the Catholics put together a prayer vigil for the Baptists. That happens weekly down here, I'm sure, right? <laughs> God is doing a work in an amazing way. And uh, um, we never missed a single Sunday or a single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of doing our ministries that we have been doing. Not a single one. Not one week did we postpone anything. You know why? Because his church stepped up. One, the Catholic Church is giving us free space to, to uh, have all of our offices. Um, the Lutheran Church um, is giving us a space uh, to do ministry. The Episcopal Church is giving us space. Um, there's a number of other churches that are allowing us to use. The high school is giving us their gym for free. The middle school is giving us their gym for free, as long as it takes. Other businesses in town are allowing us to use their facilities for free. Partly because they said that Salem has been a church that has blessed them and God has used it to impact people in that community and this was their way to be able to give back. But we have been praying for us to be a church that gets outside the walls and gets into the community and impacts the community. We did not expect in our understanding that God would burn down our building and put us all over the community and into the other churches to serve together. That's God's creativity. And here's why, if you go to the next one. Um, if you can see this or not, it's a candy machine. And uh, it says on the very top, my son is holding his hands Vanna White style, showing you. Um, uh, your, choice is, your choice for healthy eating is what it says on the top. And it's filled with chips and candy, which I agree with that. Um, I would love that. But in reality, that is what the world has to offer of what is healthy and what is right, is things that are shallow and things that are empty and things that are not lasting. But God is re-energizing, refreshing his church with a passion to be relevant and a passion to be able to be full of substance of his word and his truth. And not only is his church getting excited and revived with that, but non-believers are getting interested and curious. And God is preparing, I believe, a time and a season of great revival.
Do you want to be a part of that? Um, I got to move really fast here. Um, the next one, Crossroads. Um, that was the next thing in January. God had been stirring in my heart that the time is now for me to separate from Salem and move full-time into the Crossroads ministry that, that God's been allowing me to help develop over the years. And so it was my time to walk into Rod's office and said, you left me for three, three weeks, now I'm leaving you. Um, um, but I haven't left him and I haven't left Salem. But uh, God has called me into this ministry of coming alongside, encouraging churches to be equipped and prepared to be disciplers and to reach out into the community. And so we have seen God be able to do that in amazing ways. Um, but then more interesting things happen. Um, we had, I don't know if you heard about the flooding that took place up in our neck of the woods, but we had 10, anywhere from 10 to 17 inches of rain in uh, six hours. Um, the devastation uh, was amazing and is still amazing. Uh, many, 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 many roads still are impassable and can't, can't go on. This is actually a road that you're looking at um, that's about a mile, almost a mile long of just where God's power of his water just came and gushed and took everything away. And that's all over our region and our area is washout after washout after washout. Um, but what it's done is God has said, you know what? Here you go. I'm giving you practical application to get outside of the walls of the church and be the church. We have been able to go and help so many people, people that normally would be standoffish. They're saying, please help me. I got two feet of mud in my basement. Everything's rotting. Everything's falling apart. Can you help me? An opportunity for God to say, here is a way to minister. Here's a way to get out. A couple weeks after that, the floods came. Now here comes the wind. We had 70 to 90 mile an hour winds uh, hit us. Um, and after nice ground moisture, uh, this, is, this was uh, preparing Wednesday night. We uh, were prepping for our Crossroads Appreciation Banquet. Um, God blessed me with an old barn. I love an old barn. That's two things I wanted in life, was an old barn and to be able to put a basketball court in it. God allowed me to do that. Um, and so we set up the banquet inside of there and got it all ready uh, um, Wednesday night. And then um, Thursday morning in the night, God prepared ventilation and skylights uh, and, uh, and, and created a nice airy place for us because we had a, um, we believe it was a tornado that, that just kind of touched down and skipped because there was all this damage, but right outside we had uh, lawn chairs that never moved. Um, and uh, we had uh, a lot of unique things with the trees and stuff. Um, but this came in and just uh, laid on top of everything and destroyed everything, destroyed our display booth and, and, uh, and stuff. And we had without power, and they said we were going to be without power for three to four days. Um, and, uh, and so 
people were calling and saying, well, you're going to cancel, aren't you? And it's like, no, we're not going to cancel. We're not going to allow the, uh, that to happen. Um, and, uh, and so one of the things, if you go to the next picture, um, we, uh, on the, your left, that's our display uh, booth and everything of, of what Crossroads all represents. Um, we decided to build the wall that caved in, rebuild that, and that became our display wall. Um, and, uh, and we used that instead. And then uh, the next picture that just realizing that God is in control, that that day it got over 90 degrees and we didn't have any bathrooms because we had no electricity. We had no fans. We had all these fans set up. We had no refrigeration, um, no PowerPoint presentation, and no generator. A generator wouldn't work for us. And it was like, God, we know that we're going to press in on this. Because the cool thing is, and one of the reasons why that I said we were going to do this is because when you look in that barn, the, the roof is like this. This whole part of the roof ripped out of the, the posts, in, uh, and it was within seconds of taking the whole entire roof completely off. But it was like, in my mind, it was like, no, the enemy was pushing this way on the one roof, and, and the angels of God were pushing on the other side and saying, no, no, this is going to be protected. Um, and so God is in control. And so when I prayed for the meal, instead of three or four days later, the power coming on, it was about eight hours later. And as I prayed, the power came back on. Um, so we were able to eat in nice, cool fans blowing. And then God provided the beautiful skylight so we could look out. And, um, but here's, um, here's what I just want to end with, is that God can move mountains, as scripture says. But what is more powerful is that he is moving people's hearts. God can change anybody and, uh, and change his heart. Um, the last story I want to share is about Brian Cole and the Oaks Church. We have a church plant that we started. Um, and I, I apologize, Kim. I, I'm more long-winded than I was in the first service. It's, it's, it's the communion. Um, but uh, seven years ago, we uh, felt God calling us to plant a church in Drummond, a community that had absolutely no church for the last seven years. Um, no church at all. We thought that they wanted a church, but they didn't because of what they viewed a church was. And uh, so we pressed in for two and a half years, praying before we did anything, waiting for God to tell us what to do. And the first thing he told us to do was to buy the biggest building in Drummond. And we had only four or five people that were going down every week from Ashland to pray. And we didn't have a congregation, we didn't have anything. And yet God's telling us to buy the biggest building there. So we did. Didn't make any understanding didn't make any understanding to us why we should do that. But God had a plan. The cool thing is, is today, God is ministering to people in that community in such a radical way. There is so much demonic activity that goes on in that community. Alcohol, drugs are rampant. There is absolutely no hope that these people have. The bar owners, there's three bar owners. Two of them have given their life to Christ and been baptized. There's only one left. But I want to share this, that seven years ago when we were praying 
God was preparing us for the pastor that he had for today. But we had no idea who that was. The guy who's coming that we just asked to come last week um, had no idea seven years ago what God had in store for him. Let me just read this. After 30 years involved in Satanism in the occult, 27 years of incarceration, 25 years as a drug addict caught up in many other addictions such as cutting, pornography, sex, dungeons and dragons, etc. In 2009, after being suicidal and almost succeeding on three occasions, I was arrested for the last time. At age of 44, I had finally come to the end of myself. And through a faith-based drug alcohol program offered in the county jail, I came to know the truth of Jesus Christ and was born again on January 22, 2009, being radically saved by the very same God I denied for so many years. That's our new pastor. What a great uh, qualification for a pastor, huh? Let's see, you've been in Satanism for this many years. Oh, you perfect, perfect fit. But you know what? God had been preparing him for the last seven years because he is an absolute perfect fit. He had tattooed on the bottom of his foot a cross so that he could stomp every step he took on Christianity. He got two new t- tattoos, one here and one here. And when he goes like this, it says, set free. That he's been set free. And his license plate is even cooler. His license plate says, hate sin. God had been preparing him for the work that he's about to do in Drummond. We had been called to pray, to buy a building, and to do his work without even having a clue to what God was doing in preparing that person for this time. So let me leave you with this. Is the church relevant? Absolutely. If his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and seek him and trust him and not lean on their own understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge him, he will direct your path individually and as a body of believers because God is doing a new work and he wants to use you to restore his church and refresh what he's doing. The last thing is, we're heading out this afternoon to go see the Packers practice tomorrow. It's our our ritual. Um, Eddie Lacy there's from, I think, last year. Hopefully he's lost a little weight. Um, But you see directly behind him, that's my wife the most die-hard Packer fan you'll ever find. Um, But here's the challenge. Are you willing to get into the game of being a kingdom builder? Or is it easier just to be a spectator? To hear about what God's done instead of being a part of what God's done. In two weeks, you're about to serve in this community. It's going to be easier to say, I can't wait to hear what God did with the different things. It's going to be much more powerful to say, you know what, I'm signing up after the service and I'm going to be a part of what God's doing. Because, the last slide, we are the light of this world. We are called not to come here every Sunday and just make this place a bright place because we're all followers of Christ. That's a great thing to do. 
But that's not what we're called. We're called to go and be the light of this world. We're called to go and be disciples. Um, when you go into Menards, you see that one spot that just is like totally light and bright. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Those lights were not intended just to be in that one place. They were intended to be sold and go all over the place. You have been bought by the blood of Christ to go and be his witnesses. challenge you to be able to do that. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I pray that you would use us, Lord, for your glory, for your purposes. May we praise you at every corner. Lord, may we trust you. May we lean on you. And may we acknowledge that you are our God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would direct this church, you would direct the leaders. Lord, you would continue as you have to use them for your kingdom and for your purposes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.